Hello everyone and welcome back to the AirPod. I'm your host, Ovid Scobie, joined by the incomparable Maggie Rooney, who's on somewhere on the other side of London. <laughs> Hi, Ovid! Welcome yeah. back. You just returned from Gibraltar. I did. Have you ever been? Uh, I, I, have co- I have cousins from Gibraltar. I'm, I'm very Really? It. Yeah, it's a great place. I uh, haven't been in a while. I certainly haven't been lucky enough to head anywhere overseas in a while. Okay, fair enough. Well, it is a fascinating place. And for friends back in the States like myself that maybe weren't as aware about it, Gibraltar is a British territory mm-hmm. off the southernmost tip of Spain. And it is tiny. It's like two and a half square miles. It is so small. Um, but what's interesting is I went to a, um, a cave in Gibraltar that the Queen had visited last in, I believe, oh shoot, it was like 1960 was the last time she was there. It, it was a while ago, yeah. There was a royal it tour was. of Gibraltar in... Check my fact, because now I'm I blanking. I think 1952. Yes, it was even, oh my gosh, it was even further back. Well, 52, no, I've just Googled it, 1954. Uh, there are actually images of Prince 54. Charles and Princess Anne fee- feeding oh, the Barbary wow. apes with oh, nuts yeah, on Gibraltar there's, Rock. Yeah, there's the, it's the, they're the only primates in all of Europe are only living on Gibraltar Rock. It's, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's photos of them. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of history. And in fact, it's uh, the royal family continues to be very popular there even to yeah. this day. Um, we actually had a lot well, so of finding we were... freedom orders to Gibraltar, which is very interesting. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. People are very proud to be British there. And we were there for a story for ABC about uh, international weddings. It's an international wedding hotspot, and especially under pandemic, couples that have been separated um, go to Gibraltar to get married, and their wedding certificates are then valid so they can finally see each other. So it was so romantic. And, and I took a photo that um, all the weddings that happened in the registrar's office, there's a huge portrait of the queen that overlooks every single <laughs> wedding that happens there um so all these people that get married now have like a very large portrait of the queen in every single <laughs> wedding photo of them on their wedding day i love that dozens of americans flying in to, to have yeah, their exactly. wedding witnessed to get by married the under the watchful eye of queen elizabeth <laughs> yeah, so, so i you know i actually had quite a royal week then Interesting. Well, you know, it's been, I think what's interesting about that story is that you're sort of looking at how COVID has sort of affected an industry that, because of course, tourism is a big part of the Gibraltar landscape and the revenue that's made there. And I think that they can still continue that, um, but for it to have so much meaning is really special. Well, later in the show, I'm going to be having a special chat with four friends in California from the same high school that get together once a week to record a podcast, Teenager Therapy, sharing some of their most private struggles for the, the, for the world and for many to relate to. Um, it's an incredible podcast. It's had a lot of attention, including mm. a huge profile in the New York Times. But more interestingly, certainly for this podcast, uh, they collaborated with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex for a very special episode last week. Uh, it was a chance for Harry and Meghan to mm. speak very openly about the importance of prioritising our emotional well-being, and for Meghan to speak about some of the experiences that she had received firsthand uh, in the online space and just dealing with being targeted by 
trolls and bullies. So stick around for that. Uh, but before we get to that, we've had the Cambridges very busy this week. Uh, the pair of them caught up uh, on the eve of the anniversary of their royal tour of Pakistan by checking in with two organisations that they'd met with, uh, one being the Islamabad Model College for Girls and the other being the SOS Children's Village in Lahore. Uh, now, this was a chance for the couple to really catch up and see how the effects of the pandemic has affected the way in which these two organisations operate, uh, particularly the model college for girls, because of course uh, they haven't been able to conduct uh, uh, the classes and the lectures in the same way that they'd had before. So by Zoom, mm. William and Kate caught up with the school, but most interestingly, they had a little game of Pictionary uh, through the magic of technology, mm -hmm. where William and Kate shared some of their skills in the game. <laughs> Did you appreciate being back in school now and seeing your friends and your teachers? Yes, very happy. Do you like drawing? Yes, definitely. We both like a little bit of drawing. Catherine is very good. I am really bad. Why? <laughs> no, why, You don't practice enough. I don't practice enough. That's very true. <laughs> You're doing an amazing job and particularly now when things have been so difficult and you're a real lifeline to families out there so congratulations on all the hard work. Uh, we also had the Duchess of Cambridge out solo this week uh, marking National Baby Loss Awareness Week in the UK. Really interesting uh, visit to the Imperial College campus here in London to meet with families affected by miscarriage, stillbirth and premature birth and um, to also meet with some of the researchers specialising in those problems, specialising in those problems even, um, and also seeing how they've been working throughout the pandemic too. But before we catch up with the Cambridges, Maggie, we had the Queen back in action this week. First royal engagement outs... Brilliant! First royal engagement outside of a royal residence uh, in seven months for Her Majesty, um, out in force uh, to, for visits to the UK's Defence Science and Tech Laboratory uh, to meet scientists providing support to the country uh, for our COVID-19 response and to officially open a new energetics analysis centre, which really just was a great opportunity to see the Queen opening a building, which I feel like it's been a while since we've seen that. Who knew that we would miss royals opening up buildings, huh? Exactly. You know, it's engagements like this often take place slightly below the radar. Uh, it was a very typical royal engagement. It sort of ticked the boxes. But what was interesting about mm -hmm. this was that she was joined by Prince William, by her side for the engagement, a little moral support, but also an area that he's particularly interested in. Um, it was a chance for both of them to also speak with employees who'd been involved in identifying the Novichok nerve agent that poisons the former oh, Russian spy, Sergei Skripal, and his daughter, Yulia, um, a couple of years ago now. Uh, and so they spoke with some of the members of the military who'd been deployed from the center to help with the investigation. Now, what was interesting about this was that most of it took place outside, so we didn't see the Queen in a mask. It was something, an image that I was almost expecting to see, and I know a lot of yeah. journalists had checked in with Buckingham Palace beforehand to see if she might be wearing one for the engagement, and they were kept coy on it. Um, in, fa in fact, we were told on the day of the engagement that all 48 staff who were at the laboratory in Salisbury, which is in southern England, um, had all taken uh, COVID tests, uh, which uh, came back with negative results before meeting Duke of Cambridge and the Queen. So no masks were necessary. Um, but it was a it was a really interesting engagement. Um, 
had the obligatory moment with the dog at one point. I wasn't actually there, but... <laughs> I was about to say, when are we going to get to the dog, Omid? I wasn't actually there, I'm afraid. But um, what was interesting about this, of course, that they met with um, some of the forensic explosives investigators mm -hmm. and experts and counter-terrorism staff. And they viewed a short demonstration uh, with them as well. A lot of the engagement took place in a tent that was indoors but I hear from sources was actually fed with a sort of covid safe air conditioning unit mm. so even every oh, thought had really gone into uh, whether the queen would be safe or not now well, I mean I hope so she's beyond a high risk group and it makes me nervous how much as I love seeing her out and about I, I mean you had to be kind of nervous Omid oh absolutely I mean Here's the thing, I, I, I applaud the fact that every effort was made to keep everyone mm -hmm. safe. Um, we're very used to seeing these sorts of engagements taking place with masks at the moment, and for very good reason. And as the UK or parts of the UK enters uh, deeper stages of lockdown and uh, London itself enters a new tier of pandemic restrictions that affects people mostly on a social basis rather than in a professional capacity. Um, it was quite strange to see photos of dozens of people together, mm. albeit socially distanced, without masks. And my worry mm. on the day, and in fact I tweeted this, and it perhaps courted a little controversy because I think some people really understood what I was saying and some people really disagreed with what I was saying. But my worry was that if you didn't know the backstory that everyone mm -hmm. had been tested and that it was a strictly COVID safe environment, uh, would this be sending out the wrong image? Because, you know, let's look back to earlier this year, the Queen really led this country when it came to being prepared for going into that lockdown. You know, that speech that she gave on national television was a moment of comfort to a very anxious country. And I think as we feel very confused about the restrictions that surround us now, to see her out and about, outside of royal residences, without a mask, surrounded by people without masks, I'm just not sure if it was the right visual on the right day. I know it's difficult because I think there was such a moment here to lead by example. And listen, of course, everything was safe and they, they took precaution. But we've seen that testing isn't 100%, that even with testing, while it's great and we should have more of it, you also want to practice social distancing and people wearing masks. And so... I would have loved to just have seen that image because I think it would have been very striking, like you say, especially as many people feel as if they're getting lockdown fatigue and people are getting tired of wearing masks and tired of not being able to see their friends, to see a leader, uh, again, lead by example and, and, and be in a mask as, you know, London and other cities around the world are going back into these partial lockdowns. I think it would have been... It would have sent a powerful message. Now, that's not to say maybe she'll do it going forward if she's doing more of these engagements. Um, so we'll have to see. But also, Omid, I was also just sort of um, upset because I just wanted to see what her mask was going to look like. I mean, <laughs> we see how brightly she dresses and her wonderful hats. And I just think it was also a missed fashion opportunity. That's all I'm going to say. So if anyone's listening, I'm just, I'm waiting to see what the mask game is. She was, she, she was one. all in pink. Uh, it was a very oh. signature look for the queen on the day. Um, I think a pink mask would have looked great with the overcoats and pink hat. Uh, I have multiple masks, you know, we wear them often on air no, and, or, you know, we'll wear them while we're interviewing people and um, I have fun ones for fun stories and I have ones that match different dresses. I've gotten very into my mask. Do you have a bit. serious mask? 
Oh, of course. <laughs> My serious mask is just more like slate grey. <laughs> Well, we did see the Duchess of Cambridge in a mask this week when she visited yeah. the Institute of Reproductive and Development Biology at Imperial College in London to mark uh, Baby Loss Awareness Week. Um, now, this uh, followed after she had virtually attended an award, ce award ceremony for Tommies, which is a charity that works to reduce the number of babies lost during pregnancy and due to premature birth. And it was actually Tommies that supports uh, one of the labs that she was visiting um, at the Imperial mm. College of London. And it was a chance for Kate to learn more about an issue that affects so many women across the country. The statistics that were shared by Tommy's was that one in four women in the UK experience uh, baby loss at some point during pregnancy or post-birth. And, you know, that's an incredibly alarming statistic. Uh, team that with a report I'd recently read in the US, in fact, you and I were just talking about this, that for women of colour, those risks are often double. Um, so it's really interesting to see the work that goes into trying to reduce the number of babies lost during pregnancy and due to premature birth. Yeah, you know, is this something that she's worked with before? I haven't really seen this on many of sort of um, royal updates, but it, it's such an important topic. And I think it's one that many women and, and families in general have dealt with, obviously for decades, but it often wasn't something that was so public. And so it's great that more and more people are becoming public about this and, and talking about it. So there is that support out there that women and families know they're not alone. You know, I'm, I'm sure um, you've seen uh, Chrissy Teigen and John Lennon um, just, not John Lennon, oh, John Legend, <laughs> John Lennon. I was like, wait, that's not right. Let's, let's um, edit that one, John Legend. Um, you may have seen recently that Chrissy Teigen and, and John Legend posted very publicly about their own loss of their child. Mm. Uh, and it was just so heartbreaking to read that post. But it was also very moving and powerful because the amount of women that came forward saying, you know, I also went through that. The amount of men that said, I also lost my, you know, my child. My, my, my wife was in danger um, during pregnancy. Uh, it's been a time for people to really bond around their grief and around their heartache as well. And so I think it's great that um, Kate is sort of taking this on as something to help raise awareness for. Absolutely. Well, one of the organizations that she met during the visit was uh, uh, workers from an organization called SANS. Uh, now, they work with families who have experienced or are dealing with loss. And Kate actually spent time with um, a woman, Claire Worgan, who's experienced the loss of her own mm -hmm. child and now works for, Stan, for SANS. Um, and they spoke about uh, the three days in hospital that Claire Worgan had spent after her daughter was stillborn in September 2017. And it was a very emotional moment for Kate. She appeared visibly moved as she spoke to the young woman about uh, sort of her being so brave to speak openly about this, but also how much she admires the research and the support coming from organisations and from within places like the Imperial College London lab that she had visited. And in fact, this kind of follows, uh, you know, this focus on parenthood and early parenthood and childhood that Kate's long been working on. You know, earlier this year, she launched that UK-wide survey, Five Big Questions on the Under Fives, and that was to gather information about early childhood experiences and the people who care for youngsters. But I think as we heard her on that Happy Mum, Happy Baby podcast, uh, was it earlier this year or last year? The time has gone by very mm. quickly. But her interest in the area <laughs> also goes to the mums, the dads, the single parents, the families who are also affected by these issues. So very, very important work.
Now, someone else who opened up about motherhood this week was the Duchess of Sussex, who spoke about every risk and every opportunity that she takes is for her son, Archie. Uh, It was a conversation that she had for Fortune's Most Powerful Women Next Gen Summit. That's a long mouth tongue twister. Um, It was a virtual interview that she gave with one of the editors there. And she'd spoken about the risk that she's taken as a public figure since leaving royal life behind. And her words were, everything I'm doing is for Archie, our son. Perhaps on the outside, it could look risky. But if you're living an authentic life, I don't even know if you could define it as a risk anymore. You just do what's right. Mm. And this was a conversation or a bigger conversation about Megan's relationship with social media and how it's changed throughout the years, especially since deactivating her own personal and very popular Instagram Mm. account that she had um, right up until before her marriage to Prince Harry. What was interesting about this is that she spoke about uh, the obsession uh, that so many of people around the world have with social media. And she warned against the pitfalls of social media addiction during her conversation. You know, people who are addicted to drugs are called users and people who are on social media are called users. And there is something algorithmically that is in there that is creating this obsession that I think is very unhealthy for a lot of people. So I would just say, as you're out there building your brands, as you're out there engaging with your friends online, just be conscious of what you're doing and understand that it is not limited to that one moment that you are creating an echo chamber for yourself. So the more that you engage with things that are negative, not just for other people that you might not know, but what it's doing to you as a human being will really have lasting effects and that there is an alternative to engaging in that kind of stuff. So I would say to just be really conscious and responsible. I don't think people have even started to, to scratch the surface on what this is doing to us. And I, and I wish more for, especially the younger generation of women, you have the power to turn this around. I think it's so interesting, uh, Megan's having this conversation and being so open about it. And a lot of the things she talks about are things that I hear a lot of my friends talking about right now, too. I'm not sure. Oh, but have you seen that documentary out, um, Our Social Dilemma? Oh, of course I have. Uh, big fan of yeah, it. So in fact, um, a lot of similar themes. I've been reading up on Tristan Harris, who is the former Google mm. design ethicist that featured on that. And in fact, he's going to be in a conversation with Harry and Megan later later this week uh, which i'll talk about in a second but uh, yeah fascinating fascinating documentary i wonder if this will become a larger part of their platform i mean there's so much intertwined there right when it comes to bullying and mental health two things they've been a part of those are big issues that are also wrapped into this addiction to social media and so uh, i'm curious if this will become a larger conversation that they have and then listen i think that there are Uh, so many great things about social media as well you know um, connections that are made platforms that are built you get to see new people around the world and make connections with cultures that you may never see in your hometown Uh, but there's definitely this dark side as well so to have Megan talking about that and raising awareness and especially from her platform where she reaches so many young people where I think they're super impressionable on social media. Uh, it's a great thing to be talking about. And, you know, I admitted this to you, Omid. I sort of forgot that they didn't no longer had social media accounts. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it was also interesting to hear Megan allude to the fact that it's likely that she will never return to the online social yeah. space. Um, and I don't know how that will look in terms of 
uh, sort of personally versus professionally. Obviously, they do plan mm-hmm. to launch uh, their Archwell nonprofit organization. And as we know, one of the big focuses of that uh, in 2021 will be this, uh, this sort of drive to create a healthy, compassionate online and offline communities. It's sort of this sort of rebuilding a humane tech landscape for mm. Uh, users around the world. Um, I, I thought it was very interesting what Megan said about uh, sort of calling that that sort of members of social media sites are called users, and that's something yeah. that we don't mm-hmm. often use about when we're talking about people, unless we're talking about something perhaps a little more negatively. Um, but it just sort of reminds us of some of the the dangers and the pitfalls and the dark sides that exist within that space that are very much unaddressed. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things I would imagine will be a big part of Harry and Meghan's conversations when they host Time 100 talks uh, on October the 20th, mm. which is an event that they've specially curated for Time called Engineering a Better World. And they plan to bring together experts, advocates and online creators to elevate essential and timely conversations that impact all of us and explore how we can create online communities that are more compassionate, safe and trustworthy. And it's a really interesting cast of people. As I said, Tristan Harris, that was just in the documentary we were talking about, uh, Alexis Ohanian, who we know is Serena Williams' husband and Mm. the founder of Reddit or co-founder of Reddit. Um, and a number of other really interesting names, um, including uh, Teenager Therapy, who I'll be catching up with uh, just after our break. Um, but it's really interesting to see just how much this is driving the conversations that Harry and Meghan are having now. We're getting a much clearer picture of what their focus will be moving forward. And I think it's a great it's a great place to, to be focusing on because there is so much work that still needs to be done in the online community um, and, and, and one that a lot of people seem to be shying away from. But can I just say one thing, Omid? Um, how amazing would it be if Harry and Meghan came out with a TikTok? <laughs> Maybe that can be I their social... I just would love to see them doing the trends. <laughs> nothing controversial, nothing controversial. Just like, I want to see them like doing one of the dance. You know, like a Dancing with Archie or like, I don't know, come it's on. It's potentially the, the, safest, world needs that right the now. safest social media <laughs> The platform. safest social if media If you turn platform. off your comments, <laughs> TikTok's not a black, bad place to be. Um, I must admit, I'm more of a yeah. passive TikTok user. I, I will consume, same, same. I have my account, but I, I, I'm not quite there for like doing any of the Maybe challenges. the AirPod needs to change that. <laughs> I will if you I'm will. just putting it out there. Everyone stay tuned. AirPod on TikTok. <laughs> Led by Omen. And Yoshi. <laughs> Yoshi needs one. I can't think we can make that work. Well, after the break, I'm going to be catching up with a group of teenagers that actually got to spend time with Harry and Meghan talking about this very subject. Uh, they call themselves stressed, sleep-deprived, yet energetic teens that talk about the struggles that come with being Ooh. a teenager. It's a fascinating podcast. Um, And uh, we'll be catching up with them and talking about their time with the Sussexes and really what they're doing moving forward because they will be working with the Sussexes uh, on this Time 100 Talks event. So really exciting time for them and we'll see you after the break. Welcome back to the episode. Well, we recently marked World Mental Health Day everywhere and the Duke and Duchess of Sussex honoured the day in a unique way this year 
with a podcast collaboration with Teenager Therapy. This was a very open conversation, probably one of their most candid to date as a couple, uh, where we heard the couple talking about prioritising mental health, removing the stigma around the issue, and how all of us can contribute to a healthier world, be it online or off. So that's physically, mentally, emotionally, and even holistically. Uh, the Teenager Therapy podcast is uh, already has a huge following. Um, it was created by a group of friends from a school in Anaheim, California. They all go to the same high school. Uh, it features, as they call themselves, five teens, self-deprived yet energetic. And uh, the show focuses on their very candid conversations around mental health, family issues, friendships, school, sexuality, body confidence, and much, much more. Uh, Now, this conversation with them and the Sussexes was recorded at uh, a location in Montecito, not the couple's home, as I think some of the reports that was suggested um, and really gave us an insight into where the couple are planning to go with their focus on mental health in the future but also I think a chance for us to get to know them a little bit better if we didn't already. Um, if you haven't already checked out the episode do check it out. I'm going to play a little little clip now. I'm told that in 2019 I was the most trolled person in the entire world male or female. Now eight months of that I wasn't even visible. I was on maternity leave or with a baby but what was able to just be manufactured and churned out, it's almost unsurvivable. That's so big, you can't even think of what that feels like because I don't care if you're 15 or you're 25, if people are saying things about you that aren't true, what that does to your mental and emotional health is so damaging. And so I think from my standpoint and part of the work that we do is from our own personal experience, being able to talk to people and understand that even though our experience is unique to us and obviously can seem very different to what people experience on the day-to-day, it's still a human experience and that's universal. We all know what it feels like to have our feelings hurt. We all know what it feels like to be isolated or othered. And I think that's why the work you guys are doing here is so important is that people know that there is someone to talk to, so that you're not alone in any of it. We're all figuring it out. Yeah, I mean, it's that level of vulnerability that really creates a sense of community. I think in this moment, we're all vulnerable. I mean, we all have a lot of things we're dealing with. And the thing we're struggling with is, you know, how do you maintain a positive outlook? When you're, um, you know, being in the spotlight, how do you maintain that positive outlook? And how do you choose to focus on your own (laughs) well-being? Look, it's it's different for everybody, I'm sure. but it's yeah, it, it, it's a lot. There's the there are there are good days, there are bad days. But I think putting your putting your self care at the as as a priority is hugely important because look, vulnerability is not a weakness. Showing vulnerability in today's world, especially, mm. is a strength. Yeah. You were listening to a clip from a special episode of Teenager Therapy with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Kayla Suarez and Mark Hugo from the show. Welcome, guys. How are you both doing? Hello. Um, we're or I'm doing well. Definitely just taking in the moment. <laughs> Same as well. I'm doing good. Thank you. It must be a surreal week for you, and you must be over the moon with the response to the episode that you did with Harry and Megan. How has the past week been? Um, the past week has definitely been hectic. We've gotten a lot more attention from um, other people. And just the episode in general was 
so it's so crazy that it actually happened and we actually sat down and had a conversation with them so that was so cool and I'm so grateful that they reached out to us um but yeah since then it's just we've had so many more interviews and just opportunities in general more listeners so that's been that's been really cool and we're just really grateful for this Absolutely. I mean, it must have been a big secret to sit on for a while. How did it feel to be approached by the couple to even do the show together? Well, when I first read the email, I was, I, I'm pretty sure I was just in shock because like I knew who they were and reading the email and then actually having a conversation with them in real life and seeing them, it just, it was like two completely separate like feelings. Because when you read the email, like, of course, it's still it's still amazing to, you know, uh, to know that they're reaching out to us. But I think it really hit me once once I saw them and once the episode came out. I mean, you guys obviously were aware of who the Duke and Duchess were, but had you sort of followed their work before this uh, collaboration together? Had you done or did you do some research after the, the invite? arrived to you I mean why was it important for for both of you all four of you to to even collaborate like this in the first place well right now they're really focusing on like pushing this positive mental health campaign but beforehand um I knew of Harry and Meghan but I wasn't like actively keeping up with them um it was just before the episode that I did more research on them and just learned more about like their goals of just promoting like um, more awareness towards mental health and so with teenager therapy and them wanting to promote mental health it really just seemed like the perfect pair yeah and there are people from a different country and so that's the reason why I didn't really keep up with them but after the episode after we did the interview I found out they they turned out to be really cool people that's awesome. I want to go back to the day that you guys filmed the episode. Do you remember much of the day? Was it all a blur? I mean, I, I, we could hear some of the nerves that you guys had or confessed to at the beginning of the episode, although it didn't really come across, I have to admit. So you guys did a good job on that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> how, how was that, that morning or that afternoon? As for me, you know, I wasn't in the interview itself, but I still felt very, very nervous. I remember we were preparing everything, setting up the cameras, and over time, steadily, our nerves just, it, it got a little more intense. And then once they got here, I just remember, I could picture everybody being so nervous, every hand, everybody's hands <laughs> was shaking, and it was crazy, it was crazy. But as we got through the episode, and as the episode kept going, um, all the tension was being released. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Beforehand, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, beforehand, it was I felt nervous. I know Thomas felt nervous. Pretty sure Gael felt nervous, but he, he didn't really show it as much. But I was just like, I just felt nervous because they're they're people that I've always heard about, and so to sit down with them and talk about mental health on the podcast that I'm in, it was it just made me feel very nervous. But once the conversation started going, it just my nerves kind of went away like of course there are times where I still felt nervous but it wasn't it wasn't that much so it was, it was definitely a great conversation absolutely I mean I think what was 
So great about that conversation was not only did you all sound so relaxed around each other, but it felt like uh, immediately it was established as a safe place to really engage in conversation about any of the issues that came up organically. Um, and I think for the Sussexes, that probably would have been a refreshing change for them because it's quite a departure from dealing with media or the typical kind of interview. So, you know, as a listener and as a, someone that's covered them for such a long time, it was great to, to actually hear a more personal side of them and to hear them very, feeling very comfortable in a conversation like that. Kayla, I wanted to ask, was there anything about them that surprised you or anything about the moment that sort of took took you, your breath away a little? I think I just really enjoyed how open they were and authentic they were because I like once the conversation started I just felt that I could talk about whatever you know like I could be vulnerable with them and so it was just really nice that even though they might have meant to intentionally or um, on accident like it was just their the personalities that made me feel like they're it's so weird to say like friends but they're just like people I was having a conversation with rather than like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes those are the best interviews or the best conversations is when it feels like you're talking to a friend and it's not a sort of organized or orchestrated situation. You guys had obviously a really big following before this anyway. I mean, I think I read it was something like 100,000 downloads per episode and I'd already seen profiles on you. Uh, you'd, I think even done a, a photo shoot with Flaunt, which I saw actually before this episode aired and I, I remembered. But this obviously all started from just an idea. Um, I want to go back to that time. What was it that even gave you the, the thought to uh, create a podcast as original as this? It all came from Gael. Gael was like the mastermind behind this grand plan. It first started when he started listening to this podcast called Couples Therapy by Casey Neistat. And mm. so he was in the shower and it was just a random shower thought. But he thought that what if they had a couples therapy podcast but with teenagers? You know, it was never done before. You don't really see any media platforms where it's just full of teenagers that open up authentically. And he really believed in this idea. And he really wanted this to be special with his friends. So he went one by one, Isaac, Thomas, Mark, and Kayla. I think what's so great about this and what makes it different is that that, that authenticity that you talk about. I think we see a lot of content put out on various media platforms that are made for teenagers but not by teenagers and I think what makes this feel very real is that you guys are in charge of the content and you control the conversation and you know there have been over a hundred episodes so far and you've spoken from uh, on themes uh, that are very relevant to young people from mental health to sexuality, bullying, racism, loneliness is is there any subject that's sort of off limits for you guys? I mean, it's obviously a very public conversation, even though it's done in the sort of safety and security of a bedroom in California. Well, I don't, um, well, I'm not sure. The way I view it, I don't view some topics as off limit, more just as more topics or certain topics, I should say, take more time to talk about. Um, some topics are more serious and it, it takes a longer time for or anybody in the group to like open up about it, which is completely understandable. 
So we just want to wait um, when we feel like it's it's a conversation that everybody can participate in and feels comfortable in. I think for me, what surprised me the most about teenager therapy was how much I enjoyed it as someone who sadly is far from a teen. And it felt like, you know, these are issues that regardless of what the conversation is around them, that we, I think any age group can connect with them on different levels. It feels accessible to all ages. Was that something intentional or just sort of that has happened? I mean, do you know much about the people that listen to the show? Do you hear much from the listeners? Uh, We always hear from the listeners, especially like with our um, Instagram DMs, our Discord uh, server we're always in contact with them but um yeah it's really nice to hear their feedback and just know that whenever i read their messages it just reminds me that you know what we're doing is a good thing and it really pushes me to just keep going forward so it's just yeah really grateful for their support because for the most part um they're definitely very supportive and as for the adult listeners uh i mean i'm not sure if they're our like main demographic but at the end of the day, if they want to listen, they want to listen. You know, we appreciate everybody that listens, regardless of age or race or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure our our main audience was for teenagers because most teenagers' problems are often undermined and undervalued and just not talked about in general. And I'm sure that goes for adults too. But I, when you're a teenager, it often feels like, the world is just like on you and all the attention is on you. Um, so we just really wanted to make sure that people in general um, just know that they're not alone in their problems and in their struggles. Yeah, and it's pretty great too because sometimes we have mom listeners or um, principals and teachers and they appreciate us for a teenager group to talk about their problems so they can better understand their own teenagers and kids at home. And the four of you obviously have been great friends for a long time. Has doing the show together brought you even closer together as friends? Yes, definitely. You know, the funny thing is me and Kayla never even met before the podcast. <laughs> we met on the day when we recorded our first episode. And since then, we've definitely grew a friendship. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes for like everybody on the podcast. Um We've definitely gone through like some like rough patches, just like every other friendship. But I think the thing that really just kept us close was simply just talking about it, even though it felt very scary at the time, very nerve wracking. We find that the best thing to do is just lay it out in the open and just talk about our feelings. There's really no point in trying to hide what we're feeling or hide what's going on, whatever it may be. So, yeah, I think that's talking about it is just like a huge factor in what's what's keeping our friendship together and what's going to keep making it stronger and of course you know through this show you've all all four of you have put your lives out there for the world and of course the support that you have is clearly there it's very strong the numbers speak for themselves but this i'm sure has exposed you all to some of the more negative aspects of the digital space Um, How have you dealt with some of that negativity? I mean, it's so hard being online in general these days, I would imagine being young and online. um, And it's so sort of open the way you are with the show um, must have led to its own challenges too. Well, I think for the for the most part, we we get positive comments. But of course, there's always those negative comments. And when I read them, uh, I 
try like if there's criticism behind it i'll try to take that into like account but if it's just a person being hateful then i mean there's really not much i can take from it so i just whenever i read those hateful comments i remind myself of the thousands of positive comments that overweigh that and yeah just thinking about the people that actually support is just at the end of the day it overweighs the negative comments for me for me personally i just choose to ignore it because more than likely they're just people that are speaking out of their own insecurities and so i would yeah i always try to ignore it um focus on the positive just like what kayla said and of course, you've both experienced royal Twitter for the first time. <laughs> the good and the bad, no doubt. <laughs> How has that been? <laughs> you've had a window into a very unique world. I've heard of like, um, like the British news and like the British media and stuff like that when I was doing my research on uh, Harry and Meghan. But then like seeing it on Twitter, I was, I was. I don't know how I felt. I was just, I sort of felt a little bit bad for Prince Harry and Meghan because their intentions were completely being like misinterpreted. Um, some people were saying that they were whining or just like overshadowing us, but that really wasn't like, that's not how I felt. And I'm sure that's not how they felt. They just wanted to shed some light on mental health, which is good and which is a good intention so seeing those comments it just makes me feel like they didn't really take the time to listen to the episode with an open mind without preconceived notions um but yeah definitely some of those comments made me they made me feel very surprised honestly i feel like they gave us a tremendous genuine authentic support i really felt that from them so I really appreciate that for them. Were you surprised at some of the more negative commentary online, particularly on social media? I mean, I saw that you guys certainly weren't afraid to point out some of the inaccuracies in the reports about the show. I mean, I don't know. Those negative comments, uh, I, for the most part, they were aimed towards more Harry and Meghan. A little bit were for us. Um, but for the ones for us, they are just, I'm pretty sure they were saying how, like, oh, we're just teenagers or something like that. Yeah. And, but that's, I mean, that's the point of the podcast. I know. <laughs> that, we're, that we're just <laughs> teenagers talking about our exactly. problems. <laughs> so. Yeah, you've kind of both had a taste, all four of you have had a taste of what Harry and Meghan have dealt with for the past few years, not just on social media, but also within the tabloids. Um, I noticed there are a few things that you guys had pointed out were wrong in some of the reporting, such as the location of where it was recorded and some other things. And I saw a tweet, I think you were, guys were a little fed up of being called teenage therapy, which I kept noticing on some of the shows over here. Yes, people refer to us as teenage, teenage. therapy. They forget the R, teenager. Just one, one simple letter. One simple letter. <laughs> it doesn't take much. Um, of course, this isn't the last time you guys are going to be collaborating with the Sussexes. Uh, you are, it was announced this week, on the lineup for the October 20th Time 100 Talks event, which is going to focus on building a humane, compassionate and positive online community for us all. I mean, how was that to be invited to such a sort of prestigious lineup? Definitely feels, I mean, like 
surreal again. Um, yeah. And and how you mentioned, uh, because we're at home, some parts of it don't even feel real. Because I'll like, for example, right now, like I'm on ABC News. Yeah, I'm in my parents' bedroom <laughs> yeah. on my phone over Zoom. So oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's definitely crazy when you put it in perspective like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, definitely just very excited for this opportunity and what's going to come from it and what other people are going to get from it too you know creating a space where they're not afraid to talk about their problems so I'm just really happy that teenager therapy and other uh, people are able to partake in that and really just promote that I'm just excited for the future you know I feel like we really have a good goal in mind and I'm just excited to to fill the world you know with positivity do you have you been given any advice by the couple ahead of the time 100 talks episode oh well um i'm not sure for the time 100 episode but for the podcast that we had with them they they just mentioned to well they they gave us a heads up i guess you can say of the the negative comments that were going to come and you know they're right and I'm, I think they said something about like uh, the comments, um, how they're just going to be very picky about things and they're just going to misinterpret people's words. So, yeah, they give us a heads up about that. <laughs> that sounds about right. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. You guys are part of an incredible lineup and you know something tells me this is going to be the start of a really exciting chapter for you guys i saw you. someone on your account tweeting that you guys are aiming for the time 100 list next year and i think you're off to a good start thank you <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> well you can listen to the teenager therapy podcast on all good podcast apps um, where can we find you guys on social instagram at teenager therapy twitter at teenager therapy youtube at teenager therapy and you can find us on Apple Podcasts too. Thank you guys so much for joining the show. Uh, good luck with everything. I'll be tuning in to the Time 100 Talks event, which you can sign up to at time.com. Oh, what a great conversation. I love that you were able to talk to them. I love that the Sussexes also gave them so much time. I mean, what a great get for this podcast. And again, I love, you know, uh, Harry and Meghan always make a point to talk to young people, so to actually uh, profile and work with an organization that, you know, is operated by young people is really cool. Yeah, you know, I I think back to like my teenage years and obviously mm -hmm. there was stuff online, but it was a very different community then. And I, there certainly weren't podcasts um, yeah. having these com conversations. And I think the fact that they're this group of uh, friends that are all sort of all from the same high school in California uh, that share their sort of most private struggles, whether it's friendship, insecurity, confidence, body confidence, sexuality, whatever it is, uh, it's, it's great that something like that exists and it is so accessible uh, to people around the world. And I would say people of all ages, I don't think you necessarily have to be a teenager to enjoy the podcast. I, I'm certainly far from it. <laughs> <laughs> no, say it ain't so, Omid. we're young at heart. We are, we are. Well, Maggie, it's been a joy as always. We'll have plenty to catch up next week as the Sussexes, the Cambridges, the Queen, uh, and I think Charles and Camilla are all out and about doing what wow, they do best. Uh, so we'll have a lot to unpack. Uh, thank you again, as always, everyone, for tuning into the show and sending in your tweets to both of us. Uh, if you want to uh, reach out to the show or ask a question, just send it over to at Maggie Rooley on Twitter or at Scobie 
on the same platform, just use the hashtag the AirPod so we can find it. Uh, big shout out to the guys in New York for keeping the show slick as always, Anthony Alley, Leighton Schneider and Mike Dubusky. Maggie, I hope you stay safe this week. I will hope to see you this week. You're not heading off on any travel. We hope so. We hope so. Yeah, no, we're going to make it happen, Omid. I want to see you slash mostly Yoshi, but also you. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's do it. Okay, <laughs> take care, everyone. Thank you.